Hello and welcome to the Money Talk podcast. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, what are your plans for the new tax year? It isn't the most comfortable time to be committing your money to investments, but savvy folk will be doing it anyway. What should you expect as the new financial year begins? And what are we here on the pod doing with our own money? That's the focus today. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. By the time you hear this, we will be in a new tax year. That means a brand new set of allowances for investors to store away their savings safe from the reach of the tax plan. But investing your money now means doing so in the face of various forces which are making markets look uncertain and a squeeze on household budgets which means there's less spare cash lying about to invest in the first place. What then is the best approach to keep your financial plans on track in the new tax year? What might we expect shares and other assets to do over the next 12 months? And what are we here on the pod doing with our own investments? To help answer all of that, I'm joined by Tom Stevenson, Investment Director here at Fidelity. Tom, welcome along. Um, Now, if we'd been having this conversation at the start of the calendar year, three months ago, instead of the new tax year now, we'd probably be talking about how investors had had a brilliant time in 2021, how economies were opening up and uh, wondering whether the good times would continue in 2022. Things do look a bit different now, don't they? Yeah, they do. Uh, It's been an interesting first quarter, uh, as we know. I mean, I think, uh, as you rightly say, at the the beginning of the year, uh, it was a pretty positive outlook. Uh, Sort of felt like we were pulling out of uh, the pandemic. Um, And we'd had, you know, nearly two years of very strong uh, stock market. So uh, I think it's always a temptation to uh, to think that that's going to continue and and of course what happened then well uh the war in ukraine happened uh most obviously uh and secondly i think i'm related to the war in ukraine of course uh we've had a real uptick in uh concerns about uh, inflation um you know the world over but but in particular here here in the uk so i think you're right that uh, uh as we as we enter the new tax year at the end of this first quarter of 2022, I think things look uh, look a bit less certain than than maybe they did uh, uh, three months ago. Yeah, and and for all those reasons, Tom, you know, investors are going to be forgiven for being cautious about committing their money into a market like this. There'll obviously be decisions to be made around uh, using up um, tax allowances for the for the new tax year. Um, but I guess if we're going to talk about the recent performance of the market, um, it does also provide some evidence of why those moments of uncertainty, as we've seen in the first part of this year, they are the moments to stay the course, aren't they? Because um, without sort of much fanfare, a lot of the big losses or perceived losses that we'd seen, they have been recovered. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and it, and it's uh, frankly, it's been quite surprising uh, to me how resilient uh, the market has been because, uh, you know, even before the, the, uh, the, the, the war in Ukraine uh, came along uh, to, to sort of, uh, you know, upset our uh, expectations for, for the year ahead, there were already things, uh, you know, to be, to be concerned about. For example, um, you know, the beginning of this uh, uh, interest rate 
hiking cycle um, from the Federal Reserve and indeed the, ba- the Bank of England. Um, so it's not as if at the beginning of the year there was nothing to worry about. There were things to worry about and, and those have not gone away. You know, we in fact, the talk is, is, is now that the Federal Reserve will be tightening interest rates even faster than, than we'd expected um, uh, three, three months ago. But that said, um, markets have recovered remarkably well. So uh, immediately after the, the invasion of, uh, of Ukraine, markets did fall quite quite sharply. You would expect that. There's a lot of uncertainty. No one really knew uh, how this was going to, to, to pan out. And we were already seeing uh, the impact uh, on uh, the energy markets, uh, the cost of gas, the cost of oil that was feeding through into in- inflation. So it was not surprising that markets should have fallen um, uh, in those early days uh, of, of the war. But it didn't last very long. I mean, really, you know, after about two weeks, markets turned and Within another couple of weeks, they'd really regained all the losses that they'd that they'd made, and even regained some of the losses that we'd had earlier in the year, which were really more focused on that um, that interest rate uh, situation. So, you know, we end we end the first quarter in in a in a much better position, I think, from a from a stock market perspective than I think we might have expected. You know, at the beginning of March, for example. Yeah, and and I and I say, Tom, you know that it's a it's a sort of lesson in um, in staying the course, and I I, th- I think you know all all sort of market dips are a bit like that, but this one in particular seems seems really instructive because you you could you could have said you know if you were the the, the type of person who says you know I, I this is going to be bad news I'm going to I'm going to take my money off the table for this for this period. It would have been very unlikely that you would have called the top of the market. I mean, we we say it all the time. It's very, very you know, no one's been able to do that on a consistent basis. But this time in particular, you know, there were things to worry about, of course, at the start of the year. Um, but it's likely that you probably wouldn't have dodged those first falls, the ones that happened at the start of January, where, um, as you say, it, it, you know, the, the more hawkish tone on interest rates was really punishing the leaders of the stock market, the big um, high quality growth companies in the US, the tech companies and all the rest of it, it's unlikely you would have dodged that. And then, of course, Ukraine came along and then markets have recovered. So, so yes, I mean, I was looking at some figures this morning and I think MSCI World, uh, about 5% lower year to date. Um, S&P 500, maybe 3 to 4% lower. FTSE All Shares about level, maybe even um, I think the FTSE 100 is a little bit up. So, so those kind of those kind of figures they are not disastrous, and and you know for the for the sake of just sort of staying invested for a few uncomfortable weeks, I think you'd be in a better off position having done that right than had you tried to to make some move in and out of the market. Yeah, I think there are two issues there. I mean, one is one is the fact that you know you're right that in a volatile market that's moved up and down. It's very difficult to get the timing right uh, to to catch the top and to catch the bottom in the right way. You know, chances are you'd actually get it the wrong way uh, round. So timing is, is is one factor. And the other point, uh, which which uh, you illustrated there by talking about the performance of different markets, um, is that it's been quite difficult to predict what has done well and what has not done well. Yeah. So, you know, for example, you mentioned the, the UK market there. I mean, one of the great surprises of the last three months is that we've come to think of the, the UK as being a bit of a port in the storm, a bit of a safe haven. 
Uh, and the reason for that is is you know is, is fairly obvious. I mean, we have a we have a fairly high. Uh, weighting in the UK market towards the sectors which have actually done well out of this more inflationary uh, environment of high uh, energy costs. So a lot of oil and gas uh, companies in in the in the FTSE 100, a lot of commodity companies, miners uh, and the like. So actually, you know, the UK has done well. I mean, other assets have done well. I mean, gold has had a very good um, uh, run in in the first quarter of this year. Um, uh, so one of one of our um, recommended funds uh, this year, the ninety one uh, gold fund, for, for example, I was just looking at it yesterday. Uh, in fact, I was talking to the manager of the fund uh, yesterday, and uh, that that fund is up about twenty percent just in the first three months of this year. So there are parts of the market which which have which have done much better than other parts of the market. So. Uh, yes, timing important, but also diversification. And I talk a lot about diversification because, you know, it, 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 it's really uh, important to have a balanced, diversified portfolio at times like this when it's very difficult to, to uh, forecast what's, what's going to be happening in any one particular asset or area. Indeed, indeed. Well, we're going to come on, Tom, to, to, what, uh, to what you and I are, uh, are thinking about uh, as the tax year gets underway. Um, but more widely, I guess now is one of those times when people tend to stock, take stock of all their finances, not just their investments. And many people are going to be factoring in the uh, actually quite startling increase in the price of certain things that we're spending our money on, particularly energy, perhaps food uh, as well. We're all going to have to find some extra money to pay for those costs. They can't really be avoided. And that might come at the expense of investments. But it doesn't have to be one one or the other, does it, Tom? I mean, you can tweak your contributions. Perhaps now's a good time to plan your contributions for the year ahead uh, and, and still contribute something to investments and hopefully potentially in be- benefit from this period when markets are a little bit off their highs and they do have a, a prospect of, of bouncing and recovering somewhat. Yes, indeed. Well, I mean, uh, it's interesting that you know we're actually talking uh, on the last day of the of, of the right. tax the tax year. We're, we're recording this before the end of the tax year, um, and now is not a good time to to realise that actually you haven't used your uh, allowances uh, for the year. Far better, as you say, to plan your contributions and to do it on a regular basis throughout the year, because then you'll get to this stage. Uh, of the the next tax year, and you know, be in a much better position because you would have you've you will have largely used up your your allowances, or the, the used up the allowances to the extent that you that you want to, or you can uh, afford to. But you're right to talk about you know the 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 increased pressures on our um, on our budget on everyone's budgets. I mean, you know, like everyone else, I've you know received emails. Uh, in the last few days from my energy suppliers, my gas and electricity suppliers, you know, telling me how much more my monthly uh, payment uh, is going to be. It's up about 40% from, from the beginning of this month. That's a very significant increase. And, and you know, clearly the money that's going to my energy company is money that I, you know, don't have to to invest in the stock market. So there is a bit of give and take, but you're right. It's not one thing or the other. You don't, just because you're spending a bit more on your energy doesn't mean you have to stop completely uh, investing in the stock market, but maybe you do need to make an, a, a bit of an adjustment. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Now, uh, I said at the start, Tom, that we delve a bit into our own plans 
for the year ahead. So, Tom, where are you at as we start the new tax year? Do you have any strong predictions or expectations for the next 12 months in markets? What are your watchwords going to be in 22-23? Uh, well, I mean, as we speak, I'm I'm sort of you know putting the finishing touches to my to my latest quarterly uh, investment outlook, and um, so without wishing to to give too much away <laughs> ahead of ahead of next week, because I'm sure that we'll be we'll we'll talk about this in more detail uh, uh, next week. But you know, I would say that you know, in terms of strong predictions, um, I, I think I I, I have fewer sort of high conviction uh, predictions uh, now for the reasons that we've talked about. There is a lot of there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, and indeed, you know, you know, the stock market is a bit more resilient than I expected. Um, uh, the bond market has actually been a bit weaker than may- maybe I expected. And is you know, at the margin is starting to look a bit interesting. So I would say that I'm a bit more neutral on all of my um, all of my predictions than, than than maybe I have been. And this comes back to my earlier comments about diversification, because, you know, I do think that that knowing whether, uh, you know, shares are going to outperform bonds or the the other way around you know which geographical region is going to perform better than, than the other it's very difficult to tell at the moment so you know my watchwords for 2022-23 are all about diversification you know i want to make sure that i've that i've got some shares i've got some bonds i've got some gold um i've got some cash just in case there's more volatility Vol- um, diversification is is absolutely my watchword for this coming year and, and just to push you a bit, Tom, then on that, does that mean or is that the same as saying, well, actually, you're a little you're not expecting of, of some sort of blockbuster year like we've had really for the, the, the three preceding years to, to this one? Um, it, it might be, you know, win over here, but lose over there. Yes, I don't expect it to be a, a blockbuster year. But that said, I don't expect it to be a bad year either. And the reason I say that is that. Um, you know, the important parts of the calculation in, for the stock market are, um, you know, the, the pace of earnings growth and the valuation of the market. Now, I think in both cases, there, there, there are, there's some reason to be optimistic. I think that if you look back a year, shares were generally more highly valued a year ago, quite significantly in some cases than they are now. So this derating of the market in anticipation of more difficult times ahead has already happened to a certain degree. So that's a, that's a positive. And then when it comes to earnings growth, um, the expectation, obviously, we're not going to get the kind of earnings growth that we experienced last year, uh, mm. you know, when the recovery from the pandemic was in was in full swing. But the expectation is that earnings are going to grow at maybe 10% this year and maybe 10% next year. That's a pretty solid level of earnings growth. Couple that with the more reasonable valuations. And I think, it, you know, it could be an OK year for, for the stock market. And I mentioned the bond market as well. I think bond prices have fallen to a degree that they are now offering a more competitive income uh, than they were. So I think, you know, I think there are reasons to be reasonably optimistic on, on lots of, on lots of um, uh, fronts, bonds, shares, commodities, so yeah, um, I, I, you know I'm reason, reasonably positive. Okay, okay. Well, for my part, Tom, um, I would echo an awful lot of what you have to say. To be honest with you, I expect 
these these sort of difficult, uncertain conditions to continue. Markets are always uncertain. That's always true true to say but but i think it is more true right now there is the potential for nasty shocks on some of the issues that we we've, we've spoken about i think in particular uh the the, the war in ukraine um is going to add to this story about higher energy and food costs and i think that really does represent a big obstacle or a big uncertainty for the global economy what do uh, what do sort of economies look like when everyone's shouldering these much much higher costs on on essential goods um, we're a long way, I think, from any kind of true de-escalation, sadly, from uh, the fighting in, in Ukraine. That can clearly shock to the downside as well from here. But I also think there is, from the stock market's point of view, the potential for some catalysts that could boost um, value, well, boost prices. We've had uh, months now of this more hawkish tone from central banks. I don't think it's unreasonable to think that that's now priced in. To, to what the market thinks around around interest rates and anything more dovish that were to come through and I'm not suggesting that's definitely going to happen but for example if if growth looks less certain then central banks less might be less certain in their kind of hawkish path and that's going to boost stock markets because you know it's uh it, it's sort of a paradox that that often what's good for the stock market isn't necessarily good for the economies because of this sort of topsy-turvy connection we have with um, with monetary policy and QE and interest rates and all the rest of it. So there's that. I think I think that there could be a reason, as you say, for for stock markets to to do okay. I wouldn't wouldn't put it more firmly than that. In terms of what I'm doing, I'm going to try and divert some savings from cash to the stock market. Now that is in the context of higher living costs, so that isn't going to be very very straightforward but one of my big lessons i think from the pandemic was that i think it was even more true back then in 2020 that we had these big falls in the stock market it was a pretty indiscriminate sell-off and i i think savvy people knew at the time it was a good buying opportunity i kind of knew it i think and i didn't really take advantage of that i don't think now is as a pronounced buying opportunity but we are off the tops, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna sort of divert some cash towards uh, towards investments in a sort of phased way. Um, and finally, Tom, I just wanted to say something about about active versus versus passive investing. Um, there's always theories, aren't there, on both sides about about why market conditions might favour one or the other. Um, I'm going to kind of ignore those, but I'm going to I'm going to skew my investments to passives a bit this year. I, I use both, and I will continue to use both. But I, I'm going to skew towards passives with some new money, and that is a sort of a personal psychological reason, I suppose you could say. I just find losses, if that's what indeed happens, I find losses to take somehow. Sorry, easier to take somehow in a passive fund. I mean, it's. Uh, I think it's down to the fact that if if falls do come along. It's not my decision making that's added to those. It's a, it's a strange thing. I'm 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 keen this year to take my own responses out of my investing. So I'm going to be phasing some plan contributions, um, and I and I think I'm going to ear towards the sort of index tracking investments. I'm going to I'm going to take whatever the market gives me, but uh, but leave it at that. Mm. Well, that's interesting. I think I think the the, the psychology of your decision making uh, is quite <laughs> is quite interesting. I, I, I mean, I don't I don't I don't disagree with it, and I certainly don't disagree with the idea that that it's a good idea to take your own emotional uh, response to the market out of the equation to the to the extent that you can. I certainly think that's important when it comes to 
to timing your investments. And we've we've talked about this today and before as well. But, you know, so dripping your market, dripping your money into the market over time uh, is one way of uh, of doing that. Um, but I also think that, um, yeah, just taking your the your sort of individual decisions out of the equation by by spreading your money across the whole market just kind of make make sense uh, as well. And that's why I tend to favor, um, you know, global equity funds. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be a passive fund. You know, I, I'm, I'm quite interested in in active funds. I mean, one of the one of my fund picks uh, this year is the Fidelity Global Special Situations uh, Fund, which hasn't had the, the, the best first three months of the year, but is a, you know, I continue to believe is a very good fund. Uh, so, you know, I think, you know, if you're going for a sort of global tracker, which is what it sounds like the, the way that you're pretty much you're erring towards, then I, I think I would probably go for, for, for an actively managed uh, global fund. Um, uh, but I totally understand your, your, your thinking there. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, that said, I mean, we were, we were both asked, I think, to contribute to, contribute to something, talking about some fund choices for the year ahead. And actually, um, the fund I highlighted was, in fact, an active fund. And, 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 and as I say, I'm going uh, passive with the, with, the, with the bulk of things. But at the margins, it's, there's still some active. And um, uh, for, a, for a fund uh, I'm going to be adding to this year on the active front, I've, I've picked out the, um, the Foresight UK Infrastructure Fund. We've spoken about that fund before. It's just an interesting sector. It's performed... Uh, a, a kind of valuable role in my portfolio. I've had it for about a year or so. It's held up quite well. It's a stock market investment. It's actually a fund of investment trusts, but those investment trusts are investing in infrastructure projects. So it has a, sli- a sort of it behaves in a slightly different way from the from the wider stock market, and um, it's got exposure to renewables as well, um, which I think is a sensible sensible place to be. So. It won't. It won't all be passive, and there's there's some mm. you know there's some sort of active choices around the edges. And that fund and that fund that you mentioned uh, also offers a, a pretty solid um, income, a solid yield mm. as well. So I, I agree. It ticks ticks quite a few um, quite a few boxes. That fund. Indeed, indeed. Okay, well, that is all the time we have for now, Tom. Good luck in the new tax year, and thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks, Ed. You've been listening to the Money Talk podcast. Check fidelity.co.uk for daily written updates and articles on these and other topics from across Fidelity in the UK. And subscribe via iTunes to get the podcast downloaded direct to your devices every week. Please be aware that the value of investments and the income you get from them can go down as well as up, so you may not get back what you invest. This information doesn't constitute investment advice and should not be used as the basis for any investment decision, nor should it be treated as a recommendation for any investment. Eligibility to invest in an ISA or a pension and the value of tax savings depends on personal circumstances and all tax rules may change. You will not normally be able to access money held in a pension until the age of 55. Reference to specific securities or funds should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities or funds and is included for the purpose of illustration only. Fidelity Personal Investing does not give personal recommendations. If you're unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to an authorised financial advisor.